Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where Joe Favorito and I talk about the business of sports. The gambling edition, Tom. The gambling edition. We are doing a special episode today because of the news that hit the industry just yesterday, uh, Monday, May, whatever it was, yesterday. Um, about, May 14th. About the Supreme Court decision about the, uh, the... The overturn of PASPA. The overturn of PASPA, some people call it. And we're going to break this down today. And to do that, we've got one of our all-time favorite guests. She's a return guest to the, the first show. First ever returning re- Yeah, so. is that right? Yeah, yeah, first ever returning guest. Yep. And she's also our colleague at Columbia. Carla Varielli is back in the house. Hey, Carla. Hi. All right, so we have, and, and just to remind everybody, Carla is a sport, um, a league, uh, an expert on sports law, and she practices sports law, and she teaches sports law, and she's terrific. So, And sitting in front of us is the actual Supreme Court document, yes. which we will take pictures of. Marked up so, yep. with red, old-fashioned red and some purple or yep. blue pen. That's right. So Carla's it's like, been, it's like holding the Magna Carta. <laughs> it's actually I, I think the, between the three of us, we've, we've read and listened to probably about 50 different things since uh, yesterday morning when the news broke. Uh, it's an intriguing subject. So let's start with just kind of breaking it down. So Carla, yeah. break it down. In, in layman's terms, what, what's happened? Okay, so what's basically happened here? First of all, I want to say, I don't think this decision surprised anyone. I think, in fact, many businesses, leagues, etc., have been ramping up expecting that PASPA was going to be overturned uh, and preparing for that eventuality. So this Supreme Court decision is 31 pages of legal geek out. It is 31 pages that basically talks about what I would consider esoteric constitutional uh, principles. That would be the anti-commandeering principle of the 10th Amendment. Basically, what that means is if the federal government has not uh, reserved those powers or the powers are not given to the federal government, the states have the power to legislate. And the federal government should not commandeer or tell the states what to do. And that's an interesting part of this decision that I'll discuss a little bit more. There's also a lot of discussion in this decision, and it is the basis for the dissenting opinions by Justices Sotomayor and Ginsburg, that is touched upon by Justice Thomas, so that's sort of an unusual combination in and of itself, about the doctrine of severability. If there are certain aspects of PASPA that are constitutionally problematic, must we take a, Justice Ginsburg calls it, a wrecking ball to the whole Mm -hmm. statute, or are we able to exercise our powers of severability and take some portion? Didn't she of use it? the metaphor of like the axe versus a scalpel? Exactly. Yeah, I thought yeah. I heard that language I thought was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. it's a very color. They're very colorful dissents, but by and large, this is a unified Supreme Court. The decision is basically six-three. Uh, I mean, two in dissent, uh, uh, one with um, Justice Thomas uh, concurring. Uh, but he's who, clearly, who are the two in dissent? It's Sotomayor and Ginsburg. 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 And notorious. The right. notorious RBG. RBG. Mm-hmm. Uh, writes a very stirring dissent, but it's uh, it's a constitutional geek out. 
Um, so well, can, I, can I just ask for a second because yeah. this is an interesting point. Yeah. It ha- is this a, has this been a partisan issue in any way through the years? I've never really thought about that till now. Are you talking about politically, judicially? Well, okay, fair, fair point. Uh, <laughs> Objection. <laughs> yeah, sustained. Um, it's. I, I don't know. So in other words, so you look at Ginsburg and Sotomayor, and you've got liberal, considered liberal justices. Yeah. Um, is there a feeling of politicization in this at all? I know that's not a completely fair question, but what's your opinion? I didn't get an undercurrent of politicization. Politicization. I got an undercurrent of concern about preserving what should be the province of Congress, what should be the province of the individual states, and a deep concern about what will we do going forward, what we call precedent. What will we do going mm-hmm. forward? Are we going to take a wrecking ball to other statutes, or are we going mm-hmm. to apply this whole concept of severability. So for me as a lawyer, and when Joe photographs my uh, my <laughs> annotated version of the decision, that's what came forward. Right. Not a concern about, ga- I mean, the court certainly recognizes that gambling is a controversial issue. It says it's not its place to weigh in on whether it's good or bad for the states. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had people calling me saying, okay, so what did the Supreme Court say about age limits and who's allowed to gamble? The answer is absolutely nothing. That is left to the individual states, and that is where the rubber is going to meet the road with this decision. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, New Jersey. Well, that's an interesting question. Well, it may not Mississippi be. came out. Yes. That's right. Okay. You may so, see states. So can Joe and I, we just want to know if we can go to Monmouth Park in two weeks. <laughs> Maybe on not a little two road, weeks. On a cusp show road, yeah. uh, podcast road trip. So much will be up to the individual states, but I feel like New Jersey should be very well prepared, as clearly Mississippi was, because I don't know that anybody was expecting it to leapfrog yeah. ahead of other and states. And West Virginia and Delaware as well. A so, number of states. Yeah. And I think that you will see see in very short order because the states are going to want to address this issue and make preparations for this issue. But there's a story out as of yesterday that Monmouth may be ready for customers Memorial Day weekend. by Memorial Day weekend, which is two weeks away, or so less than two weeks away. You're free to go and bet <laughs> on right. your Memorial Day weekend. Right. But I'll tell you what, the day, if I was saying, and again, people will be listening to this after the fact, but if there is a potential triple crown the first weekend in June mm-hmm. where Monmouth will have a ridiculous amount of people coming right. in to bet. That's the day that I would point to. Oh, that's an interesting one. So day yeah. of the NBA Finals, that's a, that could be a big day. Yeah. You know. right. But Carla, anyway, back to the process. Yes. What has to happen now yes. in New Jersey and the other state for to actually go to market, so to speak? I think that that process is already underway, and it is about the states creating a framework, their own... They've got regulation, they've got taxation issues. They have to be responsible for creating their own individual states. And again, what what may get a little weird here is that it could vary as you go from state to state, their own framework to authorize and regulate and of course tax. So would that include um, or stipulate specifically where this could be done physically, like a sports book could be. Yeah, so by my big that. question, Joe and I talked about this before, is six months from now, when, or less than six months, when NFL season is, has started, mm. 
could people in MetLife Stadium at Jets or Giants games bet because it's New Jersey? Well, and, and we talked about this before we started. There, there is a bunch of issues, which I'm sure Carla is going to touch on a few of them. One of which is the fact that the credit card companies are not set up yet to do this, right. which plays in the favor of the casinos because people have to go in and actually create an account and put money into an account and then do that. The other one, which is the biggest one, is connectivity in stadiums. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have consistent, if I'm sitting in the 300 level of MetLife Stadium and someone is in the 100 level and there's betting going on, I have to have the ability to be able to make sure that everyone can get no latency. Right. What I I was suggesting was an actual sports book-like environment that, that, that allegedly Monmouth Park will have within two weeks, meaning multiple screens showing live games data. It's already there. Right, but I'm I'm saying, so at the beginning of the NFL season, if this all goes through, could that happen in an NFL arena? As quickly as they could ramp up. I mean, that's not illegal. Would the the state (laughs) consider stipulating that it cannot happen where pro sports, which is still, generally speaking, uncomfortable with this, are congregating? It's possible. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot that... and, and. before we even get to all the permutations about what can the states do to get ramped up, and again, I think there are many states that have already started the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but I do want to bring up the last paragraph of the majority decision where Justice Alito says, Congress can regulate sports gambling directly, but if it elects not to do so, each state is free to act on its own. So I want to flag for you that Justice Alito has flagged for Congress. If you want to, you can regulate sports gambling directly. So perhaps you might see Congress acting. Which is what the NBA and some other leagues have actually advocated for. Yeah, so before we all get excited about individual states skipping down. And that would override any of the state Issues. If the Congress can regulate it directly. But that would take a while, yes. especially in this Congress, especially right? Especially in a fractured Congress. Yeah. So, so some of the comparisons that people have made, um, obviously marijuana being yes. done by states. Um, I, I said to Tom before we started is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, when the Volstead Act was repealed, it was a lot easier to do because there were bars set up on almost every street corner where you could go in and it That's only right. took a few days. Right. That doesn't really exist for this because they're, unlike London, there aren't gambling parlors that people can go into. Right. But are there, are there other precedents like the lottery where people will look at this and say, oh, the lottery is in different states. Is that similar? Or is this something that's kind of totally out there? Is there another business that people can look at and say, this was changed and, and now this is the way it is and this could kind of go along this path? I'm trying to, you know, your example of a lottery is a good one. I think it's even referenced in the decision. Um, I'm trying to think of another business or industry that got enabling legislation, like kind of all of a sudden, and then struggled to keep up with it. It's it's a little out of the box. I don't, Mm. I'm not thinking of one right away. But, you know, your example about, you know, other sin and sports things like, Marijuana legalization. Yep. And that's taken a while in some states to get it to where it is today, even ones that have passed legislation. Okay, so, so with the specter of uh, congressional oversight yeah. coming, potentially, or not oversight, but uh, uh, involvement, 
what are the league lawyers and lobbyists doing today in the absence of the federal <laughs> uh, statutes or laws? They're going to have to deal with this, right? Yeah. Each, each of the leagues has to deal with this. Yeah, and I, I suspect that this decision will be a bit of a boon for lawyers and lobbyists. <laughs> so, so it's good for your law firm, Marla. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a wonderful development for... for Search them. firms, too, someone said. Lots of jobs. Yeah. So, uh, so I 800 Carla. <laughs> so I think they've probably been thinking about this and preparing for this for quite a while. And again, this decision... And all of the reports from the Supreme Court argument, this decision was not a surprise for anyone. Right. It was just a matter of when is it coming out. But now, so, so again, playing out New Jersey, if yeah. this all gets established in the next few weeks and suddenly, let's say by the time we're the NBA Park. finals, <laughs> the NBA would have to negotiate with the state of New Jersey about the so-called integrity fee or royalty that is very controversial yeah that is right very in other words it can't it's it doesn't happen without a deal no like in, need... like in nevada the leagues aren't making money from the legal legalized betting right they're not but there's also no integrity fee by the way in nevada. right but Isn't but, that but, interesting? but the, right so that's what i'm warning so if that's a precedent legally at the state level would that influence the legislators uh in the other states but you can imagine the leagues, and even Adam Silver has talked about this publicly. Right. We want our, and he, threw, he floated the idea of 1%. Right. So does that get established in the next two weeks so people can bet on the NBA playoffs in June? I would. It would be hard for me to imagine something like this getting negotiated and effectuated in right. two weeks. I don't think the integrity fee or integrity tax or whatever you want to call it is a done deal. Right. They may want it, but it's still got to be... And then technically that would have to be done state by state by state for each league. Yeah. With uh, the uh, attorneys unless, general? Yeah. Unless there's something coming down the pike on the federal side right. of Right, but even there, we, we not... agree that would take a, quite some time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so before we all go skipping to the <laughs> slot machine and the betting window... It takes a, a while for the, even though they've had some time to ramp up, it would take a while for the infrastructure to be there. So Carla, when you when you look through the 30-something pages. 31. 31. What are some of the other things? Are there one or two other things that popped out that people probably either aren't thinking about or kind of glossed over from a business perspective that people should be aware of? From a business perspective, I don't know if you would consider this from a business perspective, but when I read the decision, I didn't know some of the history behind PASPA. For example, I didn't know that the voters of New Jersey voted, I mean, I would use the word overwhelmingly, I think it was 64%. They wanted to enable gambling within the jurisdiction. And it was PASPA that prevented that. Mm -hmm. And the court went out of its way to flag that. I also thought that it was very creative and interesting. And the senators, I know, I think Ray Lesniak was one of them, took the initial bill, reconfigured it in a way to get around PASPA. And that's the one that, um, was at issue in this case. And they did it instead saying, um, or sort of twisting the words and saying, um, instead we're going to say that you cannot repeal. I'll, I'll find it somewhere in my 31 pages, but they 
describe the way the senator went about creative legislating and getting the words of the statute changed or the um, what New Jersey wanted to effectuate and it and it wound up working. You are uh, very steeped in the history of mixed martial arts yeah. and the legalization in states. Yes. Are there any comparisons to this? Is there, you know, some Cook's Union sitting out there in some state that, you know, like Dana White allegedly always talked about that that was blocking legislation in New York? Um, is there is there kind of any similarity to what MMA had to go through state by state that could possibly happen with sports gambling? I don't know enough about each and every state, but I imagine that there are people who are still concerned or have outmoded uh, ideas about gambling and that Some senator from Utah <laughs> was one, sorry. Uh, and are resistant to it. Of course, there's always people, one of the objections is that uh, it's, a, it's addictive, not wanting to enable people who have addictive personalities. Um, but again, I think that those are old ways of thinking and that they've given way to what I like to call the Silverian, Adam Silver's theory of Silverian. embraces, like, I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it should be legal, it should be regulated, it should be monetized, it should be taxed. And again, I think he's used the example of the stock market, even though it is ripe for people getting in over their head, insider trading, nefarious conduct. We don't outlaw the stock market. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that invalidates that. But what we do is we we regulate it and we police it. And, you know, that's another piece of this that uh, I think is interesting on the business end, even though I look at this from the legal end first. On the business end, there is a real opportunity for people with compliance, regulation, mm -hmm. you know, after we get over the lobbying and mm -hmm. the legislating. Um, well, even on the media side, I mean, so yes. there's been a lot of articles and analysis just in the last 24 hours on the winners and losers of this decision. And overwhelmingly, everybody's saying this is a boon. This will be a boon to sports media. Broadly, how about Mark Cuban defined. saying that franchises will double? Mark Cuban went I mean, on record as saying franchises will double. I think he said yeah. they owners are looking at the fact that their franchises have doubled yeah. in value. I yeah. mean, okay. he's that bullish on it. Of course, right. he owns a team that helps. Yeah. Well, that's what everybody was saying. Also, it was announced yesterday that the Panthers are likely to sell for, I think, 2.2 bill. Or today, this week. So did, did the Panthers management call back the buyer and say, by the way, yeah. it's now 4.4? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think so. Um, but um, so on the media side... It's an interesting moment in time because there's the kind of existential threat to mainstream media with cable pay TV subscriptions declining, the attention, losing mm -hmm. the attention of young people with e-sports and things like that. So it seems like everybody's now kind of feeling already reinvigorated yeah. that they've found their, their white knight has finally come right. uh, to combat all these issues that are quite challenging. But, but I'll ask you guys this question, and Joe, I want to get your opinion on this as well. Do we, just because it's going to be legal more widely and very accessible, mobile phones, et cetera, does that mean everybody's going to get into this? No. And that's kind of what I'm no. missing here. I think, you know, and, and we touched a little bit about MMA, MMA, esports, gaming, daily fantasy. Everyone was, you know, 3D TV. You know, everyone was going to change the world. And in reality, 
Everybody runs to something, says, oh, look, Haley's Comet. They run back the other way. And then it kind of levels out in the middle. I mean, there's no doubt that there is a market for this. But I don't, I don't know how you feel, Carla, but no one knows what the market really is because it's never really been. It's always been, oh, $18 billion was, well, nobody really knows for sure. Right. Yeah. So, well, again, well, how I, do you feel about it? I, I think I go back to, I was very persuaded when Adam Silver came to Columbia University and spoke years ago no. about this mm-hmm. subject. And what gripped me was he said, this is a tool for fan engagement. Correct. I mean, that wound up feeling so prescient, right? Yes, absolutely. He mm-hmm. was he was really ahead of things when he said that. And, and a light bulb went off in my head about that. Of course, and it may bring some new fans. Whether that's sustained over time, I think as Joe said, is a different story. And I also think the fan engagement part is valuable because if you can, if this is a mechanism to keep people in a game till the fourth mm-hmm. quarter and they go and buy two more hot dogs, three yes. more t-shirts, that's or another... Or come early, as Ted Leotz has already early. noted. Yep. So if you have a night yep. game yep. for an NBA game in the fall, come early and do bet on college football yep. right. or Premier League. So that, that's ancillary revenue where I think that's the way the teams and the leagues will view this versus saying, oh, I'm just going to sit there and rake in all this money because all these people are gambling while things are going on. That's part of it. But I think the overall experience in those other places, and you know, and we talked about this, that the position of director of gaming for teams is going to be a thing now. You know, right. Because, but, but, yeah, and also, so, I, I want to get your guys' opinion on the advertising. So one thing we all noted a few right. years ago, which when DFS got oh boy. Uh, got all its investment capital, yes. uh, basically it was ubiquitous um, advertising. It, it'll, it'll go down in history as one of the most remarkable marketing occurrences ever. Um, are we about to see the same thing? So I'm struck by each weekend I watch Premier League, and I'm always struck by the incessant gambling, digital advertising that's on screen, as well as the Jersey uh, logos, which in many cases are for gambling businesses. Is that what we're gonna be seeing in America, American arenas and stadia two, three years from now? Because it's, it's ultimately, guys, it's a game of customer acquisition. So whether that's Caesars wanting to do it, or the NFL proprietarily, or Yahoo Sports, or ESPN, or the new co-start company we're gonna start, we need to get uh, users, gamblers, on our platform. We need their data, we need their credit cards, we need their time and an, an engagement. So it's gonna be a customer acquisition and retention game just like DFS was and still is, so, at least for now. So, so what do you think about that? Well, on the, the legal end of this and not necessarily the marketing and the business, but I, I mean, who, who owns that data? Who gets to share right. that data? Or, or, but the legality of advertising it in stadiums, that probably wouldn't be an issue in the states mm-hmm. that are participating, right? If it's legal, right. right. Yeah. And you already see the Devils, the Raptors, the Flyers all have poker stores already right. because mm-hmm. it's legal in New Jersey. Right. Every team where it's legal has a casino partner. You can't right. go to Mohegan Sun sponsors the last five minutes of the Knicks. So I don't think that that will change. Now, well, not I change. Think, I'm suggesting it's going a domination of so, in stadium and in arena advertising. So the perfect example is I was in Vegas for Rugby Sevens, which was played at the home field of UNLV. On the wall is an ad at an NCAA stadium for William Hill. Mm. I went to visit the home of the MLB, the Mets AAA team, the 51s, Las Vegas. On the wall is an ad right next to, by the way, next to their marijuana ad. 
was their ad for William Hill. So William Hill being the first, but certainly not the last, you will see Patty Power, you will see everyone come in. And by the way, also don't forget the WNBA on their front of their jerseys has three teams that have casinos. So so I don't think, I I think you're going to see, hopefully, Hopefully for all our friends who sell advertising, it will be like what happened with DraftKings, uh, FanDuel and DraftKings. Although I think it's going to be, I think people have learned. It just seems like there's going to be so much money there. It's going to change the the, the, uh, calculus kind of where this stuff gets marketed. Uh, so, So could you see a league a few years from now adopting a European model of actually having the primary mark be the partner and the secondary mark? A few Being years the logo? from now, I don't know about a few years from I now. I say inevitable in this country. And I'm not saying two to three years. Yeah. But just watch European yeah. sports. Because I'm just, all I'm saying is that there's so much money compared to any other aspect of the marketing world that we've encountered in sports. I, I think the leagues and teams are going to want to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's logical. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that there's anybody more excited about the prospect of gambling coming to, to sports than Tom Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the disruption. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about it, and, and you know, on this podcast and in my, our classes, we've been talking about this subject for I, I, years. And also, as people that live through, all three of us, in, in different ways, the daily fantasy craze. Right. Uh, which always I always describe it as a proxy war, right. you know, for what was right. coming, and now and now it's like game on. So, so if we were doing this podcast in 1927, Tom would be sitting there right now with a giant bottle of bourbon, just drinking <laughs> as we're going. Yeah, ready to open my change my speakeasy into a to an Applebee's. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I think is is interesting too, because you use the word disruption, and it is disruptive. But when I read this decision. It's steeped in constitutional principles, and it's not disruption. Right. It's steady as she goes. Right. And it's not even controversial within the Supreme Court panel. I mean, uh, we've seen many splits that are 5-4. We've seen many mm-hmm. you know, dissents splintering off from a main opinion. Um, this, is, this is a pretty cohesive decision. And it's, to me, traditional and the antithesis of disruption. So, by the way, I think this is Lin-Manuel Miranda's next play. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I want to get in on that one. All right. Last question. Um, So let's just go back as we wrap this conversation up about where this might go on the federal level. Because already Orrin Hatch has has introduced the idea of maybe uh, trying to oppose this. Uh, How did you characterize it before? Um, Uh, Being on the wrong side of history. Well, yeah. That's one way of saying it. But um, what's, what's, you don't have to make a formal prediction, but what are your thoughts <laughs> about where this might go? Because it seems like if the leagues, with their enormous amount of power, especially with the billionaire owner backers, And their lobbyists. And their lobbyists, well-compensated lobbyists, are going to be pushing for this, that the new generation of congressional leadership probably would side with them over time. And by the way, the American Gaming Association, which is the lobbyists for the casinos, are looking for federal regulation okay. as well. So, what do you think? Well, politics is one of my favorite sports, and um, I, I think I agree with what Joe said earlier. I can't imagine, you know, federal Congress intervening in a way that now clamps this down. It just doesn't make sense. The 
the population has changed, people's values have changed. Um, what kind of oversight happens or regulation is a great question. And I mean, I think we're going to have to see how that unfolds. And I also think the court of public opinion for whenever you're yeah. listening to this, if can you imagine if you are a congressman in New Jersey and said, well, no, we're going to wait a little while now and see. We want, That's not going to work. So you yeah. want to be unelected pretty soon. And by the way, the man in the White House, I don't think has weighed in on this yet, right? He's no, I don't think so. too um, worried about other things, which is but probably the right thing. I think thing. he has so. said, ironically, as a former owner mm. of casinos, he's against gambling. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. he has, but he has not come out and spoken about this decision. He hasn't said anything, to my knowledge, about HASPA, but notwithstanding his history as a casino owner, if that's what we uh, mm. construe his business to be, um, he's, he's been opposed to it. Right. He has some newfound morality about gambling, I guess. Okay, just yes or no questions for the last two. Um, will this indeed improve or increase franchise rights in the, let's say, the five-year time span? I think yes. Okay. And will it, uh, Joe, will it increase media rights deals? It, I don't think it will increase media rights deals per se. I think it creates a new category, which okay. will eventually drive up, you know, which will be something, again, like when we look back and say, you know, Leagues threw in mobile rights right. 10 years ago, not mm -hmm. knowing. I right. think this will be another category that absolutely is not segmented out yet. Okay. So, uh, wow. A lot to think about. It's exciting, as it you can exciting. tell from this, this panel. Yes. So, Tom's jumping out of his seat. <laughs> that's because I want to read more of your, uh, your, your markup. <laughs> Wait till people <laughs> see the pictures. Of the documentation. Uh, Carla Varielli, thank you so much. That was terrific. Oh, um, so just remind everybody where they can find you yes. on Twitter. So Okay, my Twitter handle is my name. It's Carla, C-A-R-L-A, Variale, V-A-R-R-I-A-L-E, and I'm a partner at Hafkins, Rosenfeld, Ritzert, and Variale in right. New York. Who can help with all your sports gambling needs. <laughs> <laughs> Operators are standing by. Right. Um, all right, Joe, that was fun. Yep. So uh, we'll have to revisit this. Maybe get uh, some some executives from the, the gambling biz in the next there are, couple weeks. There are no, there's no shortage of people <laughs> no. able to talk about this. And, and based on what I saw in the media the last 24 hours, lots of people like talking about this topic. So we'll have to uh, revisit it. Uh, all right, well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the latest edition of The Cusp Show. Appreciate it. We'll see everybody next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson, and the host is Joe Fabrito. Production assistant this week is Columbia student Reese Eisenman. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple's podcast app, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other key platforms. You can also find it at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the cusp show. And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at CU underscore SPS underscore sports. Also, you can find out more about our program, Columbia University Sports Management Program by going online at sps.columbia.edu forward slash sports hyphen management. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.